Besides me, had any times over the last 12 months where you felt a little hopeless? You felt a little like anxious, a little overwhelmed, a little like, oh my goodness, what's going on? That's, I certainly, I'm, I'm right with you in this. In fact, right now, not right now, I'm joking. I'm feeling pretty full of hope right now. But the hope of his appearance, when we talk about the appearance of Christ, we're looking at kind of four, four ways he appears. We're looking at uh, Christ's first coming 2,000 years ago. And so the Christmas story, the reality of God sending his son to become a person and come into the world to meet us in our brokenness and bring hope to the world. I was having a conversation with someone recently about how a lot of times Christians can get, a, get accused of, man, how come Christians are so responsible for injustice in the world? And things like, how come you know, Christians advocated for slavery in the world? And the thing that people don't realize is, yes, their Christians have been slow to apply Jesus' teachings in the world. But before Jesus came, slavery was everywhere. Every culture had slavery. Every culture had racism. It's only the place where the message of Jesus came that racism and slavery has been ended, actually. And so it's Jesus' appearance, his life, his, his coming, brings hope and transformation. Um, when we talk about Christ's appearance, God's appearance, Jesus' appearance in the world, we're talking about, too, just how he, not only did he come 2,000 years ago, but he comes in the present tense to us. We're talking about the reality of we can know hope through a personal relationship with God, through knowing Jesus. And as, that, as, we, as we know him, we find hope. And that'll be a big focus of what we're talking about. Also, there's Christ's appearance in the world comes through his body, which is the church. And so that's deep, but it's really important to mention that one of the main ways God brings hope into the world is through his people. And we've, you know, a lot of us have experienced that, that we've been in a low point, but then it's, it's a follower of Jesus, part of Christ's body, right in flesh and blood, who helped bring us the hope of God. And that's so important. And then finally, the hope, the Christ appearance is when he will come. There is a day coming where Jesus will come back to this earth in physical, physically. And, and he will judge iniquity, he will judge evil, and he will bring a fulfillment, complete fulfillment of his kingdom, of his righteousness and peace and joy in the world. And so our hope is in his appearance, past, present, and future. And Titus chapter 2 talks about this, Titus 2, verse 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared. The grace of God has appeared. Okay, Christ's hope has appeared. Bringing salvation for all people and training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age while we are waiting for our blessed hope. And what is this blessed hope? It's the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so he, his grace has appeared, but his appearance is coming and it will come. And that's what we hope in and wait for, is Jesus coming in our lives and also ultimately to, to restore the world completely. Um, it goes on, he, this is the one who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Okay, so hope, how does that work? How, you know, it all sounds nice, like personal relationship with Jesus. 
brings me hope. I mean, that's, it's real, but it can be kind of like, how do we, how do we walk into that? Um, at the end of Jesus' ministry, in the Gospel of Matthew, one of the four accounts of Jesus' life on earth, we have several teachings that Jesus gave in the form of parables. So these were short stories with hidden truth, hidden meaning inside of them. And these were, Jesus was teaching about his coming at the end of history and his coming in history. And he gave several, a handful of parables talking about what that looked like. And so we're going to talk about one of those stories today and then another one um, in a couple weeks. But, so the one we're going to look at today, it's in Matthew 25. And I got to tell you, this is a story that there's certain things in the Bible you read like, yeah, 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 that's good. And there's certain things you read in the Bible you're like, I don't get it. Like, that's, what is it saying? This is confusing. I don't really understand. And it seems a little weird. And a lot of times our tendency is to kind of like just keep on reading, right? It's like, I don't get it, so I'm just going to keep on reading to the stuff that's easier to understand. And this is one of those stories for me. This is one that I've read, and it's like, I kind of see what's going on there, but I don't really, I don't get it. And maybe it's because it has to do with a wedding and a bridal party and a bunch of bridesmaids, okay? So that, this is basically the parable of the bridesmaids. So you shouldn't have come today because I am not qualified to talk about this subject whatsoever, but I'm going to try my best. But the, fun, the thing I found is that when you find the stuff in the Bible that's hard to understand, or even that's, um, that's offensive, it's kind of like, oh, no, I don't like that. A lot of times if you lean into that and say, God, help me to understand this. What, what is here? That's where we, it's like a gold mine. That's where we draw the richest treasures from. And I believe that's what God has for us this morning. So Matthew 25, the parable of the bridal party. I'm going to read through this and just kind of talk about it as we go. And uh, again, we're talking about how we find the hope of his appearing. And really the themes of our title today is anticipation and preparation. How do we anticipate Christ, anticipate encountering Jesus, and then how do we prepare to encounter Jesus and have a relationship with, with God and grow in that? So, God help us. Lord, I ask that you speak to us. Open up your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 25, verse 1. Jesus says, Then the kingdom of heaven... And we have to always say this, the kingdom of heaven doesn't just mean where you go when you die up in the clouds, but the kingdom of heaven is synonymous with the kingdom of God. It's God's rule and reign that is in heaven, but it's everywhere where he comes. And so he's, he's bringing it to the earth, and when he comes back, he will completely bring it to the earth. So it says, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Okay, like I said, it's kind of confusing. Like, ten virgins? What are we, like, we don't usually talk like this. You know, I was walking down the street, and I saw ten virgins over there. That's not really, like, it doesn't connect. But, <clears throat> yeah, so I got your attention now. <laughs> but, basically, this is the wedding party. And so, the, in Jewish culture, <clears throat> there, a wedding would be like a week-long activity, which I feel like weddings are becoming more like that in our culture now. I don't know, but I, everyone who's in a wedding, they're like, yeah, I had to go like five days early to like get ready for this wedding. Oh, I had a, I had a bachelor party, and I'm thinking, okay, that's like a couple, couple hours on a Friday night. It's like, no, it was a four-day affair. I'm like, okay, wow, like people were like getting all, all Israelite or something here. We were like <laughs> really dig, digging into these weddings. But in, Israel, in Hebrew culture, 
it would be a week-long deal, and it would start with the, the groom-to-be going to the parents of the bride, and there would be, like, final negotiations. Sort of, it was probably the parents being like, hey, you'd better treat our daughter right, or else we're coming after you. But there were certain, like, there were, there were material things that were exchanged, and there were agreements that were made. And so the wedding would start with, the, the groom would go to their house, and he would, there would be these negotiations. And, um, and then, after those were done, he would come to the house of the bride, and all her attendants would be there with her, and they would be waiting to meet the groom with the bride, and there would be like this, and they would have these, we're going to get into it, they'd have these lights, these lamps that they would carry out with them, or torches, and it would be this big like celebration, kind of like a send-off at the end of our weddings. You know, sometimes you do it with sparklers now, you know, because we don't kill the birds with rice or whatever. But so it was kind of like that. <laughs> you'd have, you'd be ready to, to meet the groom and then go out to meet him and then bring in these lights. And it was this big beginning of this wedding, wedding party. And so this is the scenario Jesus, Jesus is telling. Um, so these 10 virgins, these 10 bridesmaids took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So they're, they're, they're actually ready. For him to come. It says five of them were foolish and five were wise. How many of you feel like your friends are like that? Like <laughs> half of them are wise, half of them are, I don't know. Well, that's how this wedding party was. And the, the, the description is really um, interesting that, well, first of all, I just want to say this. This is a, the kingdom of God is a, is a p- wedding celebration. It's a party. All right, this is, this is something to be anticipated. A lot of times we think about, and I know I grew up hearing stories about Jesus returning, and it was like, oh man, you'd better like wear a diaper because this is scary, all right? This is, and there's, there's a reality to that. But the real picture of Jesus' return is that it's, it's, a, it's a wedding. It's a celebration. It's the consummation of Jesus coming for his people. And it's a picture of a wedding, of Jesus coming for his bride, which is his people, the church, or the bride. And so it's this coming together, it's a feast, it's a celebration. You know, if you think about like a good wedding and the wedding party, if you've ever been in part of a bridal party or a groomsman, like there's, this, there's an excitement and anticipation. Like, wow, this is a good thing. The, 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 the groom is coming. And so this is a sense of, man, Jesus is coming. And we should have this sense, not only of him coming at the end of history, ultimately we should have that, but also, man, Jesus is coming. He's, he wants to come to my life now. And his, his kingdom is coming. I, I should have that sense of anticipation. So it says, five of them were foolish, five were wise. And wise, um, we kind of know what that means. But this, this, this word specifically in the Greek, um, it has the idea of how you size things up. It's your, your, your assessment of things around you. And it literally, it's the same word that our word, the word diaphragm comes from, like in your chest. And so it's the idea of it's kind of an internal structure that you have, an an internal bearing that provides structure for your outer life. And so it's kind of the framework, how you size things up, what you value, what you esteem, what you don't value, that someone who's wise sizes things up right. Like they see, oh, this is valuable. I want to invest in this. Ah, this not so much. I'm going to avoid that. So it says five of the... The, the, the bridesmaids were, were wise. Um, five were foolish. And that word, it's literally the same word we get moron from. It's like morai or something like. But it literally means flat or dull. 
So it's like a knife, it's dull. How many of you know, like when, when we're foolish, we're a little dull, right? Like just like kind of like obtuse, not getting things. Um, so this parable is like basically, hey, it, it just set you up. Don't be like the morons. Be like the diaphragms, okay? Be like the smart, be like the wise ones, not the foolish bridesmaids. Um, so five of them were foolish, five were wise. Verse three, for when the foolish took their lamps, taking their lights to go out to meet them, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. Okay, so we've got three things here. We've got the bridesmaids, they've got lamps, or sometimes it's translated torches, and then there's oil, and that's like a backup supply of oil. So the lamp would have oil that would, would light it, but the wise ones were like, you know, we might need extra. We might need a little extra here. So let's bring a flask with, with some more. And what, what do these things represent? Well, this is really key to get this whole thing. So the, the bridesmaids, the virgins, represent followers of God, believers, Christians. It's interesting, if virgins, you think of people who are morally pure, they're, they're living an upright life, they're, there's this sense that these are all righteous people. And that's who, everyone who believes in Jesus is considered righteous. What do the lamps represent? Well, the lamps, this, we see this all throughout the Bible. Like earlier in Matthew, Jesus said, hey, let your lights shine before men so they can see your good deeds. And so lamps represent basically our good deeds, our good actions, good choices. I remember one of our kids' teachers, always at the end of every day, told them, what do they say? Go home, like, make good choices, especially at the weekend. Like, make good choices this weekend. The lamps represent, like, okay, good deeds, good actions that are done that, that honor God. Well, what's the oil? The oil is really key because if you don't have any oil, you don't have good actions. The oil is the fuel for the light. And the oil, basically, throughout the Bible, the oil represents the Holy Spirit, it represents God's spirit that comes to us and lives in us. It represents God's anointing. When someone would be anointed as a king or a priest, they would anoint them with oil. And that was a sense of God's presence, God's choosing, God's closeness. It, the oil represents your relationship with God. It, it's the, the fuel, it's the closeness, it's the, the real relationship. And so there's the, the church, there's the good things that we're called to do, and there's the fuel of relationship with God that it comes from. You guys following me? Okay. Um, verse 5, it says, As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Now, this is interesting. Sometimes we're like, we get dressed up ready for church, or we get, you know, we're like, okay, God, I'm, I'm seeking you. I want you. And then there's a delay between when we're like, we're, we're ready, but God doesn't seem to show up in our life in that point in time. Oftentimes, there's, there's a delay. In, in this Jewish culture, a lot of times, those negotiations would go long. And so, you know, they had a lot to work through. And so there'd be a, there'd be a delay. You know, this also speaks to, to history that, you know, people have 
since Jesus went back to heaven, have been saying, man, Jesus is coming back soon. He better come back soon. It seems like, you know, he said things that seemed, seemed like he was going to be coming back soon, but there's been a, why is it taking so long? Actually, we're going to talk about next, that next week and how we can be part of speeding that up. But there's a delay. And that's one of the hard things in walking with God is the sense of, man, I'm ready, but it doesn't seem like you're here right now. And when there's a delay, it's easy for us to get drowsy. It literally is like they're drowsy and slept. It was like, literally, it was like they were nodding and then went off to sleep. And we're all, you know, we're all prone to sleep, right? Like, we're all prone to be like, oh, you know, I just, I'm kind of sleepy right now. And just emotionally, we just, and even just like the focus of our lives, like it's hard to stay alert for, for very long. We, we, tend to, we tend to get sleepy. Um, and so that's true in our relationship with God. And the time and the delay between him appearing, it, it can easily make us, make us sleepy. Um, keep reading here. But at midnight, so I'd fallen asleep, at midnight came, at midnight there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, or got their lamps ready to go. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Okay, so all of them had had, they were, again, they were all Christians, they all had oil, they're all lit, they had been going, but the delay was longer than they expected, and so they were starting to go out. And so the foolish ones, without backup supply, they asked for help. Um, you know, and I... I just think that points to the fact that we need a lot of oil. We need a lot of the Spirit of God in our lives to live this thing out. You know, we, it just, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of his presence. It takes a lot of relationship with God. It takes a lot of encountering him, interacting with him. It, what, what is good for, for one, one hour isn't going to be enough for two days later. You know, it takes a lot of oil to live this life. It takes a lot of interaction with God, a lot of his presence, a lot of, like, that's why the Bible says pray continually. It's like, okay, when you realize how much you need God, it leads you to moving towards this place of more like continual interaction with God. Not that I'm anywhere close to there, but I'm getting closer. But the more we see that, man, we need it, it takes a lot of this oil to live this life. We want to have hope. We need a lot of oil. And, you know, it's one thing to get sleepy, but it's another thing to run out of oil. And running out of oil isn't a good thing. And I think there's one thing that I like, that nobody really warned me about, but if I look back at my last 20 years, 25 years of, of my walk with God, and while having a lot of close friends in this, a lot of people who were have been partners and who also encountered God and have been growing with God. The thing that I didn't really expect is the danger of falling away. I didn't expect like how many of these people I've walked with over the years that either now or at different points along the way haven't kept their oil. Like their oil has really run out in such a way that like their life is not in a good place. And these are people I was like, wow, like we were passionate together about Jesus. 
Like, I, I thought I couldn't light a candle to your level of passion and zeal, but wow, like, they, their, their supply ran out. And, you know, a lot of these, it's cool to see, like, you know, like, we all run out from time to time, you know, sometimes, but it's cool to see people that really ran out, but they've got come back and replenished their supply. But, man, there's a danger of us running out. In the previous chapter, Matthew 24, Jesus was teaching about his coming and his coming in history. And he said this, in Matthew 24, 12, he said, Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. God, it's just, it's so easy for our love to grow cold, especially in the lawlessness and the culture that we live in. But it says, but, he says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So there's something about, man, not letting our love grow cold. If we love Jesus, saying, God, I, I got I to gotta keep, gotta keep, that, keep that oil supplied. I got to keep that full because, man, it's, it's easy for that to go cold. But it's the one who endures, the one who keeps living in that till the end, who experiences God's salvation. Okay. Um, verse 9. So the foolish ones asked for some oil. But the, verse 9, but the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Hmm, that's interesting. There's something about this oil that there's an element of it that you can't, you have to get it for yourself. You can't get it at Walmart. You can't, like, you can't, and you also can't coast off of someone else's relationship with God. It's not enough. Like, there's, there's no other way to, there's no transaction that has to be you. It's kind of like the, the, like the vaccine, and we're going to have to have a card. You're, you have to have a card, like, that says your name on it. They're like, no, I'm, I'm buying this oil. Like, we each have to show up before God and place our faith in him and turn from our sins and then day by day say, God, oh no, I'm coming to you. I need you. I need your grace in my life. I need your presence in my life. Lord, would you, would you fill me? So there's, there's a, the, we, have to, we, have to, we have to get it for ourselves and it, it does cost something. You know, it's, there's, a, there's an old saying that salvation is free, but it will cost you everything. And that's true about this, too. It's kind of like the, God's presence is free, but yet it costs us having to engage. It costs us having to like, make our lives available to him and say, God, I need you. Lord, I'm, I'm willing to make my life available to you. I, I'll, I'll give what I have to, to purchase what you have. Um, so it's, you know, it's his gift, but yet... We have, to, we have to give our life. We have to present ourselves to receive it. Um, and so, yeah. And there is, it's interesting in there too, it says purchase it from the dealers. And I read a few commentators about this passage, and they all said the same thing. They said, you know, that's like not, a, not just like a extra words that don't really matter in this story. But although you have to personally get this oil, there are other people that you purchase it from, in a sense. Uh, on the one hand, we get it directly from God, but that's, this is the church. This is to receive the fullness of God's life. Like, there is a place of fellowship that only comes from building relationships with other believers and gathering with other believers. There's a place of encouragement 
of God's Spirit and grace and the oil filling our, our flask that only comes when we're around other people. There's something about hearing God's Word preached and t- taught that like, fills us up in a way that we have to have the church for that. There's something about corporate worship, right? As we come together and worship together with other people that oh, God fills us up in a way that we can't just do that by ourselves. And so it has to be us, but we also have to go to the dealers. We have to have our dealer that we go to to, to get this. Um, so, so, yeah. Um, verse 10, And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And I think this just really it brings home a lot, but it brings home the, the reality that it's about our relationship with God. You know, what, it, what, is, what is said to those bridesmaids is like, wait, I don't know you. It doesn't say, I never knew you. There's another story where, where Jesus says that. But this one says, hey, I don't know you. And it's kind of like, and Reagan and I have been married for 24 years now, I feel like I can understand this better. How, and don't take me wrong, this could, you could hear me wrong, but you know those old couples that they've been married for a long time, but you look at them and you're like, they, they don't really know each other anymore. Like at some point, like, they're just, they're in this relationship, but they're, they've kind of gone on their own way. And whatever got in the way, whatever independence or whatever issues, like, they just, they don't really know each other. And I, like, I laugh because I can kind of feel like how that's a natural force. You know, I don't think that's happening. I think, you know, thank God we're knowing each other more and more. Sometimes Reagan doesn't like knowing me more and more. (laughs) But that's another story. (laughs) But there's like, God like, hey, you know, do I know you? Like, when was the last time we hung out? Like, how much, where's this relationship at? And that's, that's what the oil is. Like, building that friendship, building that relationship. So that, you know, of course, you know, one says God knows everybody, but it's like, no, does he know us? Do we know him? Does he know us? And man, that's, that's where hope comes from, is that relationship with him. So, uh, I just want to kind of tie this up with two takeaways for us. And how do we, man, what do, how do we apply this to our life? I, I trust there's a lot in there, a lot that was encouraging and helpful to me going through this. But two things. To, to experience the hope of his appearing in our lives. One is anticipate his appearing. Live in a place of anticipation. And the Christian life is all about expectancy. It's all about hope. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because to come to Him, we must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. There's an anticipation that, man, God, you're worth seeking. A friendship with you is, is what I want more than anything else. And it's, a, it's a wedding. It's a party. It's, it's life itself. Man, I, I want to anticipate your appearing. 2 Timothy 4.8 says, now there is in store for me, this is 
Paul, the apostle writing, there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Man, that's a, that's a, good, a good phrase. Do we long for his appearing? Am I longing for his appearing? Both when he returns and also right now, like this week. God, am I longing for your appearing in my life? Is that the thing I'm longing for? If I do, man, that's, I'm, I'm on to it. I'm on to what really matters. And hope comes from that. So in our places of loneliness, depression, anxiety, or neediness, man, God's answer is, hey, long for me. Look to me. I'm here. I'm, I'm ready. Just anticipate. Uh, look to me above everything else. And I, you know, I, we've talked about this throughout the last, like, nine months, but I, I think this is, the, in my mind, I think this is the biggest thing God is trying to do through the COVID-19 deal is awaken us to our need for him. Awaken us to the reality that, wow, I need God. I really need God. And this is, you know, this is an opportunity for us to see our need and to, to know him like never before and keep living that out. So anticipate his appearing, and then secondly, prepare for his appearing. Prepare for his appearing. I was, uh, as I was growing up, I was really... One of my biggest passions was distance running. And there was a quote from when, when I was growing up, one of the best distance runners in the world was this guy from Tanzania named Yuma Ikanga. And he said, the will to win means nothing without the will to prepare. And I was like, oh, that's, that's very true. You can show up on race day, and you're like, man, I want to win this race. But that's, that's like 92% irrelevant. What really is more relevant is how much have you been preparing to win this race. And the anticipation and the preparation go together. It's like, man, if I anticipate meeting the bridegroom and walking with Jesus and knowing him, it's, okay, how much am I preparing myself to be in that place? Preparing my oil, like, you know, like, like the bridesmaids in that story. We've got to fill up our oil. It's interesting that one of the lines that before Jesus came, was the, 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 the line that was said was, hey, prepare the way of the Lord. Make your hearts ready for the Messiah to come. And we have to prepare our hearts for God. And that may be where, you know, I've got this thing. I need to repent of that. Like, that is in the way of my relationship with God. I need to, you know, I need to, if it's my smartphone's getting in the way of my relationship with God, I need to, like, throw it off the balcony today or something. Like, get that, get rid of that thing. Whatever it is, um, repent of that. But, but also, it's just like personally seeking him. You know, here we are all today. It's like, man, this is the right people. We're seeking God, preparing for him. And, and as we do that, God shows up. And as we do that day by day, really this, this next couple months is a great time for us to, to seek God personally throughout the week. Um, it's funny how Christmas can be the time where we get like, most distracted from spending time with God, the whole celebration of Jesus appearing. But it's a great opportunity for us to, to, to live that out. Prepare for his, for his appearing. And then we can live from a place of, of being full of him and staying, staying full. Now, I love how in this, this parable, the five morons catch our attention, right? Because it's like, oh my goodness, like the door was closed. 
They were, that's embarrassing. That's, you know, that's a bad situation. But there were the five wise bridesmaids too, right? Like that was, that was the other reality. Is like they were living this. They were anticipating. They were prepared. And because of that, they were fully able to enter, to enter into the, the delight and the hope and the joy that God had for them. And, man, I'm convinced that that's, that's who we are, right? This is, that's who's in this room. That's who's watching online, too. Kudos to Michael, man. We got our live stream going today. Awesome. So good. Uh, great. I want, we're going we're gonna to walk in. We're going to have a chance to really prepare our hearts um, and anticipate him in the present tense right now as we receive communion. This is a time as we're going to take the bread that represents Jesus' body and the cup of juice that represents his blood that made the way for us to have friendship with God, to be part of that bridal party that's right there, to be the bride. And so we're going to have a chance, even just in our own hearts, to, to anticipate and to prepare. And before we get the elements, I want to... Uh, we're going to look at one example of someone, part of the Christmas story, who anticipated and prepared. There are actually two people, um, two old people, Anna and Simeon, who were these people who were just anticipating the Messiah coming. And they had a close relationship with God, and they were walking with him. It says that Anna was like just hanging out in the temple. She was a widow, and she like prayed and fasted and worshipped in the temple night and day, day after day, just preparing her heart and ready for Jesus, for the Messiah to come into the world. And then Simeon, very similar. I just want to read about him. It says, because this is really like the, the kind of life we can, we can live. We are living. Um, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now therefore, now, sorry, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. There's that, that oil. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And that's one of the great parts about walking with God and being full of God's Spirit is God reveals stuff to us. And I remember when I first started walking with, living with being filled with the Holy Spirit, and one of the things that stood out to me the most was like, you know, I'm just like I'm having all these thoughts and insights throughout the day that I never had before. It was like, I'm just, I knew like God is giving me revelation. Like my mind, like the lid's kind of being taken off. I'm seeing the world like I never had before. And that's, as, as we're filled with spirit, there's revelation about who God is, what he's up to, what's going on. And he came in the spirit into the temple just as Jesus' parents were bringing him to dedicate him in the, in the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to to your people, Israel. Let's just pray together here. Lord, 
thank you that you invite us into that same place. Lord, we thank you for making a way through your life and death and resurrection for us to come close to you, to be filled up with you. Thank you for the hope of your appearing in our lives. Lord, this morning we want to offer ourselves to you. I want to look to you with expectancy, with anticipation. God, and we also want to prepare our hearts. So even right now, the remainder of our time together, Lord, would you, would you lead us and work in our hearts and draw us into the hope that you have for us. Lord, we trust you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, if you want to take part in communion this morning, you can go ahead and um, as, whenever you're ready, just go to the back and get bread and a cup. And we'll come back to our seats and we'll, we'll take that together in a minute. And then we're going to worship God with a couple more songs together. So as soon as you're ready, go ahead. I was thinking this morning about how it's a lot of times I don't know what to say when communion time comes, but it's like you don't have to because it just it speaks for itself. And Jesus, his life offered for us, his blood spilled for us so we could have communion with God. And even just like there's nothing more like how can you get closer than eating and drinking, right? Like, we're literally, God invites us to just participate, to fully eat and drink in his presence and of his presence. And, you know, so let's just do that this morning. Let's just go ahead and, if you want, if you want go ahead and stand up and we'll do this together as we stand.
it's, it's not just a formality or a ritual, but his very presence is with us. He's come all the way. And he invites us to participate with him. So let's eat the bread and drink the cup together.